This is Adam Gorney, the National Recruiting Director at Rivals, here with Ryan Young for Tuesdays with Gorney. He runs our USC site, Trojansports.com, and he's in the middle of a coaching search, which is always exciting business, uh, always an interesting time. Clay Helton leaves midseason, or is fired, I, I should say. Dante Williams takes over. It's probably, I would say, very unlikely that he's retained as the head coach, but more than likely he stays on as an assistant coach uh, because his, of his abilities to coach defensive backs, but to also recruit. I don't think it's any secret that he's one of the best recruiters in the Pac-12, if not the country. But there are definitely some names, Ryan, that are starting to emerge at least as potential candidates. And before we get into it, I just want to have to throw out this caveat that sometimes there's a lot of names and the the real hopeful ones like, you know, John Gruden and Urban Meyer and whoever else has been thrown out there. But this this group at least seems more realistic, like guys that Obviously, at USC is a very big job, an important job. It has many built-in challenges, but also many built-in benefits. And I think at the top of the list would be Dave Aranda. Would you agree? And why do you think they're kind of targeting him as one of the, the top guys? I, I think he's the most likely that they could get. I think he should be the baseline for this search. I think they should aim higher for a couple other guys, but know that they can probably get him. And that's just my read on That's not anyone telling me that. But Dave Aranda is a guy that they pursued two years ago for the defensive coordinator job. They had a contract. They were going to pry him away from LSU to be a D.C. and what would have been a major coup at that time. And then the Baylor head coaching opportunity came along, and obviously he took that. But So you have a prior relationship with the administration here with Dave Aranda. He's from Redlands, California. Um, you have that connection. I it's obviously he's doing great at Baylor in the second year, but this is USC. It would be hard for him to turn down a chance to elevate his career and go to USC, go back close to where he grew up, and um, just take the next step. And surprisingly to me, he's the name that probably has the most unilateral support from the fans. On our message board, he's the one guy that everyone seems behind because we've watched this USC defense underachieve and underwhelm for three, four-plus years now, and the thought of having a defensive guy come in that can instill some discipline, can rebuild the program from that side of the ball, has a lot of fans excited. I still think that, that there are maybe bigger names out there that they should at least go for, but I think he's very prominent in the search for sure. Yeah, with Aranda, it's interesting because if it work, if he takes the job and everybody gets excited, which will happen, and it works out, he's one of the you know brightest young minds, especially defensively in the country. He's worked at Wisconsin. He's worked at, at uh, LSU. He's now turned around Baylor very quickly with, quite honestly, a roster not filled with elite talent there. And he's done very, very well in his second year. If it doesn't work out, they took a guy with two years of head coaching experience mm -hmm. in the Big 12. Um, that seems like maybe a reach um, if it doesn't work out. And they'll find other reasons uh, that it didn't work out. It's, it's definitely an interesting hire. He has his own approach. Um, he has a defensive minded kind of output. I don't know if every Southern California kid, elite player exactly knows Dave Aranda and his history yet. That might be a good thing. It might be a bad thing. We'll see in terms of recruiting, but USC is also a job that, you know, it sort of sells itself to elite California talent, or it has at least in the past. And so I think that would definitely be an interesting name. Let's go down some other guys that have been mentioned. James, just, Franklin. just, just real fast though, on that point. I, I am surprised that the fans are so behind this because I would have thought they would have wanted to hold out for a more established name, a guy who's been a head coach for a while, a guy who doesn't come with any question marks. 
And when you look at Dave Aranda, his first year at Baylor was, you know, it was pretty rough. He was getting established. Yeah. He brings in a new OC this year and Jeff Grimes. They're scoring 13 points a game more. How much credit do you give the Jeff Grimes in the offense for Baylor taking a leap this year? There's definitely some risk. You, you don't have a large sample size to evaluate him on. And you're really banking a lot on his reputation as a coordinator and one very impressive season as a head coach, but one in which he brought in a, an OC that's made a huge difference. So I think there is risk there, but like I said, I, I see the upside as well. But yeah. And again, yeah. and it's like a, it's a gutsy pick. It worked out. Jeff Grimes was great at BYU. He comes to Baylor. It was a gutsy pick and it worked out. If he, if he switched coordinators after one year and it didn't work out, then, you know, what kind of decisions is he making? I guess such as the coaching coaching sure. life and, and people that can question that let's move to Franklin. Uh, seemed like such a hot pick early on. Um, you know, I'm, you know, I'll, uh, you know, say that I'm a Penn state grad. And so follow, I follow that program closely. There are some questions about whether, you know, the entire family's thrilled about living in central Pennsylvania, which is fair. I mean, I spent four years there. I spent 22 years in Pennsylvania. I understand what they're saying. You, you have no base, you know, recruiting base of any real kind to win national championships. Um, that's difficult. James Franklin has said that, you know, he wants to be the first African-American coach to win a national championship. That's tough when you're in the division with Michigan, who looks like they're getting better. Michigan State at least now looks like they're better. And Ohio State, which is obviously one of the best teams in the country. You come to USC, you have immediate, immediate recruiting, uh, you know, in 15 miles of your campus, basically everybody that you would need. Um, he is a phenomenal recruiter, a tremendous recruiter. Some criticism about his in-game, uh, you know, handling of situations. It seems like this job would make sense to him but it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I think it might even be a moot discussion. Um, USC is a very risk-adverse university. They've been through some their share of scandals, both on the university side. Uh, obviously, they went through the sanctions in the football program a while back. And there is a feeling among many of us who cover the team that, that Franklin may have trouble getting vetted, uh, going back to the Vanderbilt stuff. And again, I, I don't know if he has any culpability for that whatsoever or if he was totally in the clear. Who can say? But that remains in his profile. And the same reason that I don't think Urban Meyer was ever a realistic candidate and some other guys out there, there's just schools that are a little more open to, to being aggressive and, and taking some risk and schools that just really are closed off to it. And USC is on the far end of the spectrum. And even just the perception or the questions that remain from that may be enough to make it hard for him to be a true candidate. Given some of the stuff USC has gone through with the university gynecologist and, you know, stuff in that realm that is still very sensitive. So, you know, I've, I've heard from enough people, not directly, you know, making the decisions, but enough people around that believe that he may be a hard sell before we got to that point of discussion. I thought he would have been a great fit personally, when I was at the University of Maryland covering the team as a college student, he was the wide receivers coach there. My favorite coach on the staff, just a very outgoing guy. I could tell he was going on the bigger and better things. I can see why he's a great recruiter. I think he would kill it at USC recruiting-wise. Um, but I've been surprised, even aside from everything I, I said earlier, the fans have never really been jazzed up about him as a candidate. They go back to, well, well, this guy lost a bowl game to Clay Helton. How, how can we hire him? 
um, which, which is the baseline for anything. If you lost to Clay Helton, then you, you, know, you can't possibly come here and help our program. And then, you know, they, they see a guy that's gotten to a, a high level but never gotten over the hump at Penn State. And uh, that's where they feel their program has been for so long now, not getting over the hump. So why would they believe that he can get them over the hump? I personally think that he would be a very attractive candidate if uh, the university felt that, that they could vet him and get him through the whole process. I, I would support it. But uh, surprisingly, there's very minimal support among the fans for him. So I, I can't see that being the outcome of the search. And two things there, not to go so deep down the rabbit hole here, but, um, you know, it's Penn State vetted him heavily. uh, I'm sure. Right after maybe one of the, you know, not maybe, one of the biggest scandals in college football history. Absolutely. So, I mean, if USC is going to even dive deeper into that, and he's been a model citizen as far as anyone can tell since he's put in State College. And the other thing that I think really is – would draw him to USC in a sense is that when he took over Penn State, it was, you know, an old curmudgeon program, run the ball three times, try to win 9-7. You know, the Penn State of Joe Paterno on the field was that team. I mean, it was not really fun even to, even to go to games and those kinds of things. And he brought in, and, and that's a delicate balance to bring that in and not look hacky and to have the kids buy in and to be able to recruit kids to believe that that's going to happen. And, and it worked. And, you know, he's had a tremendous record there. Yes. He has lost games that he shouldn't have lost. Um, all, all the things that go into that, but it, it feels in a different way. USC needs a reset like that too. There's no question that the talent is there. They recruit modern day and modern day will beat any high school that they play by 50 points if they want to. And then those players go to college and there's no development and there's they they're at a standstill and USC loses games that they shouldn't lose. And they're not disciplined and the penalties. And, you know, the, you know, the other night, Jane Daniels is running out of bounds and there's a late hit unnecessarily. Like every, you could just go down the list of how many mistakes and, how players go there and don't get better and then don't get drafted and all, all of the things that go into that. And that reset could be very useful for Franklin. It's interesting that he's sort of sliding down the list. Maybe, maybe he's not interested. Maybe the university's not interested. Maybe both parties really aren't interested, but another name. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I want to, I guess, preface is the wrong words. We already covered it all, but I should have said at the start, you know, all that stuff about whether or not he can, you know, as a Bible candidate for all the, the background stuff. That's not me endorsing that. You know, I, I don't I don't know what's in that file. I, I don't he may be totally clean. I, I have nothing to say that that he wouldn't be a perfect citizen and and everything, but that has been the chatter around it is that ooh, can, can USC really go down the James Franklin path because of this? And sometimes perception is enough to to be an obstacle. So I don't know. But I, I'm with you. I think he would do great here and I wouldn't even look at his plateauing in the Big Ten as a uh, indicator that he couldn't go higher in the Pac-12. Sure, it's sure. a much easier path, and he would, I assume, amass a pretty great talent advantage pretty quickly here. So again, if I'm not introducing that stuff out of the blue, I mean it's, it's being talked about a lot. The LA Times did a big story about it, trying to see if they could uh, get to the bottom of exactly what his role was or wasn't and all that stuff. So it's being talked about, but if, if he is uh, able to be a true candidate, 
I'm higher on him than the fans are, and I, I'm a little surprised that there's not more interest in him in that realm. Luke Fickle. Mm. Um, other than liking cinnamon in his chili in Cincinnati, <laughs> I a phenomenal candidate, has done wonders at Cincinnati, is just boring enough of what USC needs. They need – maybe they need just boring Midwest, no nonsense, come in. You know, you're going to be able to recruit to USC – and get the players here and make sure that they don't screw up on the field. I mean, really, that it might just be that easy. Uh, and that, you know, there might be some family ties that want to keep him in the Midwest. I think that's part of the discussion here. It would clearly be an upgrade in job. But is it an upgrade in terms of wanting to tackle the situation that is ahead of him? You know, on my personal list, he's number one because uh, obviously – USC AD Mike Bone hired him at Cincinnati. So yeah. you already have that connection. They already know exact – if USC wants to go all in for Luke Fickle, then you know that they know exactly what they're getting because they they hired him. They watched him build that program up. So if they believe he can do it here, then I would believe in that too. Uh, USC needs discipline. They need someone to come in and change the tenor and culture of this program. And I don't know Luke Fickle, but everything I've read about him, his background as a wrestler coming up, uh, through the programs he's come up under, I think he would be that guy that could come in and just immediately set a new tone and direction and and bring a, a, a disciplined edge to this program. And obviously what he's done in Cincinnati speaks for itself. I mean, they're getting under-respected in the CFP uh, rankings, but it's one of the great stories in college football. How could you look at that and not think that he could come out here with better talent in a very winnable Pac-12 and establish himself quickly? Um I do think that there is a real obstacle, though, to getting him here. I think the family stuff is real. Uh, my good friend Brady McCullough, the LA Times, went out and spent time with Luke Fickle and his wife and really kind of painted a picture of uh, a family that loves where they are, that has a very large extended family around them out there. So it's not just about moving wife and kids. It's it's roots that extend well out in that region. And do they want to go that far away from it? And I think there's real doubt as to whether they do. I think given the respect he has for Mike Bone, that he would pick up that, that phone and have that conversation and give it real consideration. But at the end of the day, what is the upside and downside for him? He's already shown at Cincinnati he can get that program into a, a top five national ranking. They're going into the Big 12 soon, which gives a little more national legitimacy to, to their program, even though the Big 12 is not going to be what it was. And – that's where he spent his whole life there. That's, that's, that's where his identity is. The upside is that it's USC. Is, is that enough appeal to him? I, I don't know. I think he's the best candidate out there, but I would not bet that they could land him. Matt Campbell uh, yeah. has been mentioned for numerous jobs. Uh, hasn't taken any or hasn't, you know, figured out a way. Um, again, he's winning in Ames, which is, has been nearly impossible. I just looked it up. After the 2005 season, until Matt Campbell got there, there, they had one winning season. Like, this is not a program that can really recruit uh, elite players. They're, and then they're in a state with a higher-profile program, more established over history. Everyone knows Kirk Ferentz. It's a nearly impossible job. And he's found a way to be incredibly competitive, win games, beat teams, smoked Texas this past week, mm -hmm. all of the things that shouldn't be happening in Ames, Iowa is happening. He's disciplined. His players love playing for him. 
he can get players there. I mean, Brees Hall is obviously one of the best running backs in the country. Brock Purdy, he goes to Arizona and gets him. There, There's a lot of things to like about him. How is he not even maybe one or two kind of on this list right now? No, he's he's one A one B for me with Fickle. Yeah. Those are my two guys. When I said that Aranda's a good baseline for this search, but they should strive a little higher. To me, it's Luke Fickle and Matt Campbell. They should go all in for both those guys and see if they can get them first, and then circle back to Dave Aranda. Everything you just laid out about Matt Campbell is is true. I think it's the greatest college football turnaround since I mean maybe all the way back to Bill Snyder at Kansas State. Yeah. Um, where Iowa State was when he took over is kind of like where Kansas is now, just in a hopeless position where you don't even see a path to success. You mentioned uh, there's no recruiting territory there, and whatever there is, you are the less established program in your state behind Iowa. And there's there's no history, uh, really. There's there's nothing to sell. You're in a cold weather area, so you're not frying people out of out of Texas regularly to say, "Hey, come play in 13 degrees up here." Names. It's it's just mind-blowing what he's done. I, I don't think that the fans, at least on our message board, truly appreciate that because whenever I push the Matt Campbell case, I'll get, well, this guy wins eight games, nine games a year. That's not what we need. We can do that here. We need something over, over the hump. It's a totally different situation. Winning eight, nine games regularly there is immensely impressive. Uh, the thing with Matt Campbell, though, is we have no idea what his career ambitions are, what he wants, how he feels. As we've joked about on the beat here, the good folks' names have not even bothered him with questions about these open jobs, where you know everyone else is having to shoot down rumors. And Dave Aranda's even been asked about it. James Franklin's been asked about it. Up in Ames, no one's even bothering Matt Campbell with, "Hey, there's a USC job open. There's this job open." So we've heard nothing out of him. We don't know where he stands. Again, he's a Midwest guy as well. Does he see himself as a fit in California, or does he want to hold out for the next big job that comes open in the Midwest? Those are the questions with him. So I don't have a great read on whether he's a gettable candidate for them. But to me, he's right there at the top. They can get either Luke Fickle or Matt Campbell. They have won this coaching search. If they can't, then I circle back to Dave Aranda. Last question, and this is more of a program-wide question. It might not be worth just even one question. But I've had this conversation with so many people about programs that used to be elite that are that the, the time or just change has passed them by. Mm-hmm. So – Let's take Nebraska. The expectations on Scott Frost is to get them back to winning national championships, not just winning games. And he has not done a good job there yet. I think anyone would admit that. Or Michigan. You know, Harbaugh has won lots of games there, but not the big game and not the national championship. Tennessee. Things look much brighter under Josh Heupel. Uh, I think everyone can now admit Jeremy Pruitt was a, was a, was a mess. Um there are these, just these programs that had Florida State, I think, is another one. Can can Florida State, can Miami, the, the teams that used to dominate college football, has the landscape changed so much at USC? Are we so far past Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart and Carson Palmer and all the guys that, that we know as adults, but the kids were either not born or, or were in diapers the last time that they were relevant nationally to this level and I think they talked about this during the game Saturday night. Um, you know, it's been a while since they've been really good. Can a coach come in here and keep, you know, it's not like there's no talent. Bryce Young could be the quarterback. If not, DJ could be the quarterback. Kayvon Thibodeau could be the defensive end. Bijan Robinson is from Arizona. Spencer Rattler really didn't even look at USC much. Um, you know, Justin Flo 
uh, really didn't look at USC much because he wasn't recruited hard until late. I mean, down the list, Joseph Nada is an in-state guy. Najee Harris is an in-state guy. Joe Mixon, in-state guy. USC you're never. Making, you're making USC fans cry right now, Adam. <laughs> it's just, can they? Can they? They used to win and play for national titles because they kept all those guys. There was no question about it, and now it's it's problematic. Does this hire change that? Can they change that? Is it a is it an issue program wide that kids go? Guys from USC don't get developed. They don't go to the NFL. I'm going to Alabama. I'm going to Ohio State. I'm going to Clemson. I'm going to Oklahoma. And and that's where the elite players in the West are going now. Oregon. Uh, no, I think it's very easily turned around. I, I have a theory in college football that the programs that are not in uh, ideal locations to, to naturally ha- have an advantage, once they fall off, they can't get it back. So like in Nebraska, they're too far removed from what they were They'll never be able to sell that Nebraska mystique again. Now they're just a, a school in a pretty light uh, recruiting territory that's going to struggle. I think if Oklahoma went like eight years without success, they would have trouble ever getting back to Oklahoma. USC is not in that spot. USC is smack dab in the middle of one of the richest recruiting terrains anywhere. Yeah. And kids want to go there. there. There are so many guys in the last few classes that I've just gotten the overwhelming sense they wanted to go to USC but there was just too much doubt to pull the trigger and do it. And you have every other program in the country negatively recruiting against them and using the Clay Helton stuff the last few years very prominently saying, how can you go there? This guy, this staff is not going to be around in a year. And and that's gone on for years now. It wasn't just last season or this season. That's been used against them for years. And I I, I know for a fact that, that those kids hear that constantly and so they've just been a, it's been a massive uphill battle to keep guys home for that reason. But once that's removed and there is stability and there is a new source of optimism uh, that you can point to, and you know this staff's going to be around for a few years, and this guy uh, has done nothing wrong here. He's nothing but, but hope and, and promise. Then those kids that want to go to USC because it's USC start coming back. I think this is an easy fix. Not a quick fix necessarily. I think they need a couple cycles of really great recruiting classes and changing the culture within the program to get back there. Uh, I think they can immediately start going that direction next year. I think it's probably two or three years before you can hope that they're getting back into the true national contention picture. But I don't think it's it's too far gone at all. I think it's sitting there waiting for the right coach to come in and just uh, claim this immense backyard of talent that many of those kids still want to go there and to give them a reason to make it happen. All right, that's it. Ryan Young from uh, Trojansports.com. I appreciate it. Uh, have a good one. Before I sign off, I just want to acknowledge the uh, ambiance of my dimly lit hotel room here in Scottsdale. I could not get any more lights in this part of the room. So It is uh, the, the, the best Motel 6 I may have ever seen. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Adam. See you, Ryan.